Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. Good morning. It's 8.30. I'm Paul Boger, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, as our look ahead of, to the 2017 legislative session begins, we sit down with the leader of the state Senate, Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves. I believe that every state agency is as efficient as possible. I just don't believe that's true. I think there's some that do a good job of protecting taxpayer dollars, and there's some that don't do a particularly good job. And we've got to continue to look for ways for savings because our taxpayers deserve nothing less. Then a community begins to heal as one of its own is arrested in a high-profile church burning, and we'll hear from a PR firm working to rebrand Mississippi. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Legislators across the state are gearing up for the 2017 legislative session, which begins next week. Republican Lieutenant Governor Tate Reeves sat down with us to talk about his hopes for this year's session. He says it's looking like another lean year in state spending. Yeah, so we proposed a budget that was about $195 million less than the current year's proposal. Um, We uh, also uh, estimated a large number of savings, uh, things like uh, a car moratorium, uh, no, the purchase of no more new automobiles. We saved a ton of money by doing that twice during our first term. Uh, we, we suggest that we can save about $19 million from doing that. We also propose that we would uh, decrease the amount of money spent on travel. Uh, there will be a lot of people who complain about that. We understand that. And by the way, I'm someone who believes strongly that there are some travel that's good travel in, in state government, not every travel uh, voucher is a bad one, uh, but we propose saving about $13 million in state travel because the state spent $63 million in travel last year, so we propose going back just to FY 2012 levels, and so that's about a $13 million savings. For those individuals who believe that every state agency is as efficient as possible, I just don't believe that's true. I think there's some that do a good job of protecting taxpayer dollars, and there's some that don't do a particularly good job. And we've got to continue to look for ways for savings because our taxpayers deserve nothing less. And one of the recommendations that got brought up was removing a number of state agencies from the, the state personnel board, right? Yeah, and those are recommendations that were made by state agency directors. They sat before us during the budget working groups and said, look, if you will give us more flexibility and more freedom, we'll actually be able to save money. Now, I'll tell you, there's been uh, instances in the past where this has worked very, very well. There have been some where it hasn't worked very well. I think any uh, removal from the state personnel board uh, will coincide with a guaranteed amount of savings that is required by each and every state agency because what we don't want to do is remove them from the personnel board see large numbers of uh, state agencies then 
uh, go in and give raises, et cetera, which actually leads to more long-term expense. And so that's that's where we're headed. Tax cuts were a major issue last session. Um, a lot of folks are saying that tax cuts are the reason the state uh, is uh, having trouble re- making revenue projections. How do you see the next in the coming session – uh, the state's tax structure meeting up with some of the things that were talked about during the tax foundations uh, meetings this year and presentations. Yeah, well, I'll tell you that anyone that says that our tax cut package last year, which by the way was the largest tax cut in Mississippi history, have anything to do with our current revenue streams, they simply don't know what the bill says because it's not even implemented. Uh, even the first year until 2018. And so uh, our current revenue challenges are really derived from individual income tax receipts being below expectations as well as sales taxes being slightly below expectations. And so um, as I look at what we're trying to accomplish in terms of tax policy, we're trying to make Mississippi the most attractive place in America to invest capital and create jobs. And we are focused on growing our economy, not on growing the size of our government. Switching gears a little bit, let's talk about education. Uh, the big thing I know pretty much everybody's looking for is the recommendation from EdBuild about how to address the state's education funding formula. At this point, you know, there hasn't been a recommendation made as of yet, but what kind of recommendation would you like to see? Well, I think what you'll see EdBuild propose is a formula that is more student-centered, that focuses on specific student needs. Uh, I think you'll see, for instance, um, we believe strongly that we need to spend more money in the classroom, less money in the district office. We also believe, uh, and I think there's general agreement on this from, from folks across the political spectrum, that it costs more to educate certain children. It costs more uh, to educate, for instance, students with special needs, and therefore there ought to be uh, a a base student cost, and there ought to be some uh, additional monies provided for the number of special needs kids in in each district. There ought to be additional monies provided for the number of students who are in poverty or, or economically distressed or at risk, depending on how you want to define that. And so Uh, I'm looking forward to the recommendations. I will tell you that the consultants have spent a large number of days and a lot of time in Mississippi. They've met with administrators. They've met with um, superintendents. They've met with teachers. They've met with students. They've met with parents. Um, And and I think uh, what we hope they have determined and and understand that there are different needs in different districts, and, and, and so we expect them to make a recommendation sometime relatively soon. Um, We're also, by the way, looking at uh, certain regulations that are currently in place, either in statute or by the State Department of Education, that are costly to school districts uh, that may not have any major impact on what's actually going on in the classroom. And if that's the case, we want to reduce the amount of burden um, and reduce the amount of resources that are being spent on those kind of things so that we can get more money spent on educating children. Critics of the process, though, have argued that the new formula may be a way to uh, introduce a voucher program or an ESA into the education system. You know, is that something that you're interested in? Is are you interested in education savings accounts or voucher program? Well, I'll tell you that the the critics uh, that claim this have absolutely no evidence to to say that that is the case. The fact of the matter is, uh, we instituted an ESA program for students with special needs long before we ever started this process. This process is about allocating resources in the most efficient manner to get more money in the classroom. Um, we, we don't need to talk about the school funding formula 
uh, to have a discussion about ESAs or, or anything else. But would you be in favor of expanding uh, a voucher program to the large majority of, popul- uh, of students, not just special needs students? Well, I personally believe that the more uh, parents have choice in their children's education, uh, the more likely that individual child is going to get the kind of education that they need. Uh, I've been a strong proponent of of the ESA program because students with special needs in Mississippi uh, at the most recent count graduated at a less than 25 percent count. Now nationally students with special needs graduated at a 55 percent clip so we're we're doing significantly worse than the national average and we got to do better than that and so we've we've implemented that plan if you talk to the parents that are that are benefiting from it they're exceptionally pleased with the way things are going and um and and i'm i will tell you when when i support funding for education i'm not supporting funding for a system or for a superintendent or for a district i'm supporting funding for that child because we've got to focus on what's best for kids whether it's best for the adults or not lieutenant governor tate reeves a community begins to heal as one of its own is arrested in a high profile church burning that's next This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. I'm Kara Miller. Every week on Innovation Hub, I talk with the thinkers, researchers, and visionaries who are crafting our future. Tune in to hear conversations about how tribalism shapes us, what new research on obesity reveals, how chicken changed America, and why math class should be reinvented. Coming Sunday, January 8th at noon, hear Innovation Hub on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Paul Boger. The city of Greenville is continuing to heal in the wake of a church fire that grabbed the attention of the nation in the wake of the presidential election. Andrew McClinton is charged with setting the fire. Officials say they still don't know who spray-painted pro-Donald Trump graffiti on the side of the burning building. Greenville Mayor Eric Simmons talked about the fire and its aftermath with MPB's Mark Rigsby. But the city of Greenville takes pride in our work to have a unified city, and we look forward in continuing that work, and we look forward and are excited about moving forward in the healing process at this time. I commend the great team of law enforcement agencies, including our Greenville Fire Department, our Greenville Police Department, the state fire marshals, all of the local, state, and federal authorities that have diligently worked since learning of this horrific, cowardly, heinous, divisive act on November the 1st, 2016. It's despicable for anyone be it black, white, uh, Democrat, or Republican, to burn down a place of God. This suspect was apparently a member of the congregation, a member of this church that was burned. Are you surprised that this was the person that was arrested? No, I'm not particularly surprised. Uh, And to be consistent with our statement, we uh, have stated that we wanted the culprit found and we will not rest until the corporate found is prosecuted to the full extent of the law. Uh, on his face, uh, because it was a black church, it appeared that it could have been racially motivated because it was a historical black church. On his face, because of the words vote Trump, it could have been politically motivated. Just on his face, however, 
Uh, we did not know their motivation. Today, we still don't know their motivation, and then law enforcement will develop that motivation and motive and prove it in a court of law. Uh, but we're here to make sure that this public crime, and this is a crime, a public crime, an arson is a specific intent, public crime against the public, particularly against the folks here in the city of Ringville. It's despicable. It's against places of worship. This crime is against folks in this community, black and white. This crime is against folks in that neighborhood who lived in that neighborhood who was fearful to see this smoke, uh, this church engulfed with flames. The position we take in the mayor's office is we're here to represent everyone, and this is a crime against everyone in the city of Rainville, and it won't be tolerated. There was talk of this being a hate crime uh, back when the incident occurred at the beginning of November. Is that still the consideration here? It was investigated initially when we all arrived on the scene. It was briefed. It was investigated as a hate crime um, uh, based upon the historic nature of the church and based upon what the words were on the side of the church. It was investigated. Uh, but I akin this to a person laying in the middle of the street who is shot dead uh, when authorities first arrive on the scene. They don't look at it uh, as a murder. Uh, we're going to investigate it as a murder. But later when they get a suspect, it may be a manslaughter. It may be involuntary or voluntary manslaughter. So that investigation pans out, and when the investigation pans out and they get a person of interest and then a suspect, they begin to develop what that motive is. And so uh, investigating it as a hate crime is not saying definitively that it was. Uh, it was initially investigated as a hate crime, but he has now been charged specifically with a state crime. A hate crime is a federal charge. He has been charged with one count of first-degree arson of a place of worship, which is a state crime. So can we rule out a hate crime at this point? I cannot because the charging party of a hate crime will be federal authorities. Uh, and I am not a charging party, and the mayor's office is not a charging uh, agency. And so I don't know if we can rule out that. I think that question mark is more appropriate to federal authorities. But right now he's been charged under the state statute, uh, one count of first-degree arson of a place of worship, which is a state crime. How has your community healed itself since this crime occurred? Greenville is a resilient community, Mark. You know, I go back to the March night flood where we had waters coming out and we had over 700 homes flooded and people were outside their homes. And this community came together. And this community came together uh, in uh, that ordeal to help one another. Similarly so on November 1st, uh, Hopewell Missionary uh, Baptist Church was closed down because of a church full and gulfing flames, but this community came together. A slew of churches, the Hebrew, the uh, First United Methodist, other Baptist church, opened up their arms to this congregation. And so, similarly, the citizens here in Greenville have opened up their arms uh, to this ordeal, and we're going to move forward together. We're going to be unified, and we look forward to the healing process. We're, we're working together like we always work together. And we're bouncing back and being resilient like all green billions are. This act, this heinous, divisive, individual act of one person does not define who we are here in the city of Greenville. Greenville Mayor Eric Simmons with MPB's Mark Rigsby. We'll hear from the PR firm working to rebrand Mississippi. That's coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. 
The end of the year is the perfect time to get rid of that old car that's been taking up space in your driveway or garage. Why not let someone else sell that car for you while you simultaneously contribute to MPB? Donations received by 12 a.m. local time on January 1st count for the 2016 tax year. Wrap up your year in the spirit of holiday giving and receive a tax deduction for your vehicle donation to MPB. To donate or learn more, go to mpbonline.org. Shazo, professor of medicine and pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. I'm here with Dr. Alan Harris, lung specialist from UMC, and we're talking about cough. Man, having a cough's not good. No, it's not. Most cough is due to a cold, comes, it's annoying, and it goes away. But when we talk about chronic cough, it's a cough that's lasted more than six weeks. And that's something you may need to see a doctor about. So actually, a short-term cough might be good, huh? Right. Other than it's just annoying. You know, most most cough is due to some viral infection, what we what we call the cold. You get drainage, sore throat, cough. And you cough should, it out. And yeah, clear should, your go, should go away in a few weeks. Okay, so a, a chronic cough, you say, is what? A cough lasting more than six weeks. So what causes that? The three most common causes are postnasal drip, asthma, and gastroesophageal reflux disease. So reflux of acid contents um, that goes down and tickles your vocal cords. So you theoretically could take an antihistamine and a reflux medicine and see what happened. Yeah, and that's often what we do when patients come in with a chronic cough. Um, if Based on the history, if, if nothing's pointing directly to one of those things, they're easy to treat. And instead of going into expensive diagnostic testing, we'll just go ahead and treat them for a few weeks and see if it makes an improvement before we go beyond that. What are the alarm signs for, for having a cough? Well, if you're coughing up blood, that's something that needs to be seen sooner rather than later, whether it's six weeks or not. And then cough that's associated with shortness of breath or associated with weight loss, things like that can be a sign of something more serious like cancer. So I guess the bottom line is if you cough longer than six weeks, you probably ought to let somebody know about it. Yeah, it's probably nothing, um, something that can be easily treated, but it does need to be checked out. For more health tips and medical information, listen for Southern Remedy each weekday at 11, where the doctors are always in. For MPB Think Radio, I'm Dr. Rick DeShazo. The Health Minute is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy, live blue. It's good to be blue. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Paul Boger. When you add together the stark reality of Mississippi's racist past and stereotypical portrayals of slow-talking, ignorant Southerners, what do you get? Well, for one Mississippi public relations firm, what you get is not a pretty picture. That's why the CELO agency developed the Mississippi Believe It campaign several years ago. The effort highlights the many athletic, literary, musical, and other achievements of prominent Mississippians. Now the campaign is being expanded to include more Mississippi accomplishments, and classroom materials as well. CELO's Rick Lucer explains to our Karen Brown. We kept getting these stories from teachers all over the state saying, oh, wow, I use these posters all the time to help me teach uh, history, Mississippi history. And that's taught in fourth grade and ninth grade. And then one of our employees, uh, Steve Erickson's daughter, actually was in fourth grade, and he brought a tape, a video, of them doing a whole musical 
on the Mississippi Believe It campaign that they had put together, and then they performed it for all the parents. And and that's just been rattling around in our brain for quite some time. And so about a year ago, we started thinking, how can we make this official? And so what we did was we were already thinking about the new posters we wanted to add and at the same time how we could do something besides just put them out there. And so we put together a group of teachers and started talking to them about what would work and what wouldn't work. And from that came some great ideas. We ended up hiring two teachers over the summer to take every single ad from Mississippi Believe It, which is 21 ads, and develop a lesson plan, a true lesson plan, not just something they think would be good, but something that is actually uh, compliant with uh, the uh, college and career curriculum in Mississippi, as well as Common Core, uh, something that they could literally just download for free and not have to do anything except give it to the students and take them through it. No work on their part, no cost on their part. We started telling that story. And it's been amazing the number of teachers that have already responded and those who have said, you know, written us notes saying that they've already used them in previous years and now that there's an official uh, actual lesson plan that they will they'll use them to teach history. And it's, will this start next semester well, or next my, fall? My or? understanding is a lot of uh, Mississippi history is taught during the second semester of the year. And so that's strictly up to them. They can work it in however they want to. Some do it over a matter of weeks. Some do it the whole semester. So different people do it different ways. But they're out there now. And if anybody out there, if you, if you homeschool, then it's out there for you to download. Or if you just want to go through it yourself, there's the lesson plans. They're, they're free to anybody. Rick, do you have any idea how many schools will take advantage of this? I don't have a clue. There's we, We'll be sending out about uh, with that, we're also sending out the posters. Service Printers is, again, printing them for free, and Mac Paper and Pearl is actually furnishing all the paper for free. And so every school, kindergarten through college, will get a set of these posters, and they usually end up in the library or down the halls hung up. And uh, that's about 1,200 sets that we'll send out. And so you know, our hope is that, especially in fourth grade, that that – and the great thing is, you know, we've got the Yes, We Wear Shoes, a few of us even wear cleats, and it has the athletes that everybody recognizes, the uh, Eli Manning, Archie Manning, uh, Walter Payton, Jerry Rice. And the lesson plan isn't about how to be a pro football player. It's about where all those, uh, where all of them played their, uh, Brett Favre, where they played college football. Mm-hmm. And then it shows that. And from that, then the lesson plans takes you to the 11 regions that Mississippi is made up of. And so it then takes you on a geography course. And then it starts talking about if Ole Miss scores 20 points and Mississippi State scores 14 in the third quarter, and then in this fourth, and it becomes a math equation. And so it's something that's really engaging, and the teachers we had just did an unbelievable job. And and so it's it's out there for the teachers to use, and we really, we really think they will. Does the curriculum go photo or poster? I don't know if you refer to it yeah, as a poster. Yeah. By poster? It does. It does. So you can hold up the poster, and then you can pass out the uh, – and, and we've got those that have, you know, um, one whole poster of nothing but singers. Uh, and our contention is Mississippi is the birthplace of American music. If you take uh, the blues, which no doubt uh, – is is our claim to fame, and you take that country you know, music. Jimmy sure. Rogers mm-hmm. is the father of country music, and right there in Meridian. And if you take that, if you take the assumption that Elvis is the king of rock and roll out of Tupelo, then we've pretty much got the market <laughs> cornered on on popular music. And so it's not a stretch to say that we are the uh, birthplace of music. But when you started this campaign initially, it sounds like it was for people outside of Mississippi to change their perception. But now it sort of sounds like it's for people in Mississippi. Yeah, and that was always the. 
continue, and it did. That, that's how it did start. You, you're, you're exactly right. But the more we got into creating those first sets of ads, the more we realized that uh, it's like anything. We work with corporations and do things for their employees and for their customers. And, and in the state of Mississippi, until we feel better about ourselves, we can't expect anybody else to feel good about us. And these ads are not in any way to glimmer over the things that that we shot ourselves in the foot over the years, whether it was through the civil rights atrocities or, or legislation and other things that we've done that has really shined a poor light on the state of Mississippi. That That's not a, a wives' tale. It's not a myth. Those are things that can – that's history. Uh, but this campaign isn't so much to re-dredge up history; it's to kind of give it a different, a different, to give a different spin on stories that haven't been told, and a positive spin. Sure, sure. Rick Lucer is president and COO of CELO Agency. Thank you so much for coming. That's in. great. It's always this is a great venue to do an interview. I love this is probably my favorite radio I've ever done, and uh, it's a this is a great resource for Mississippi. Thank you. Thank you. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for local Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9, it's Fix It 101, then at 10, Everyday Tech, and at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. Did you miss part of the show today? Find past episodes of this and other Think Radio programs online at mpbonline.org or by downloading the MPB Public Media app in any mobile store. I'm Paul Boger. Join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio.